following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out later on through one of your favorite podcast apps as well, too. No matter how, we always enjoy hanging out and talking sports with you all as well, too, among some other things, usually food, but it's not sports. It's usually one of two things. It's a pretty safe, safe bet there as well. But it is March. We are at about the halfway point of the month, which means things are about to start getting maddening. So it is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, March Madness is here. NFL free agency is its own level of madness as well, too. And we got a busy, we got a busy next next month and a half coming up in the sports world. Yeah, you know they call it March Madness, but I'm going to take it one step further. It is March insanity. <laughs> uh, we have we have fully fully approached the the cliff that is insanity. As free agency has just been, for lack of a better term, nutter butters. Um, you know, speaking of food, had to get that one in there. But uh, you know, and then look, we have March Madness coming up, and and honestly, this one I feel like this year. The both, I'd say both tournaments really kind of up for debate as far as who's going to get what, who's going to finish on top. Uh, obviously, in the women, you have Iowa looking great, South Carolina continuously looking great. You have UConn always doing what UConn does. Tennessee women's look good. Auburn women look good. Uh, and then in the flip, on the flip side, if you look at the men's side of you know side of things, which by the way, in case anybody missed it, this is the second official year of women being available to use the March Madness term. So I have to throw that in there. But on the men, you have who knows who from the no, the one seeds that's going to get knocked out or upset. Uh, you know, I, I, I it, my bracket name for this year for both men and women has been, you know what, who knows anymore. That's been my bracket name, if that tells you anything for my March Madness slash Insanity. Might have just been titled Yes. Whatever the question is, I'm just going to say, if unless it's a yes or no question, that's just the answer. Because I feel like it feels a little more open. It feels like this year there isn't like those one or two teams like a Duke or that Kentucky team that was undefeated, or there's not like the Duke who's running away with it. Like the one seeds are obviously good, but there's not, it doesn't, or like Gonzaga the last couple of years as well too, where they were undefeated one year. Like there doesn't feel like there's that runaway one seed. I know Houston and Alabama are kind of one, a one B right now, but both people have plenty of their own questions about both of those teams as well. So I feel like it's the field feels like a safe bet, regardless of who else, who you're picking against at this point. I mean, I have questions about how a certain someone is still playing basketball at this point in time for uh, one of those two teams you mentioned. Uh, but yeah, I always, look, you, look, we always have questions about Houston, right? In the, in the tournament, Houston in the tournament is just the big ultimate. What are they going to do? So yeah, we'll have to wait and see about that. A lot of questions about that. We got some NFL free agency and uh, plenty of other things to talk about as well, too. But that's going to go ahead and take us into our first segment, this first segment known as the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. If you want to go watch March Madness in person, check out SeatGeek. Use Belly Up Sports. Get yourself $20 off your first order and maybe get yourself some nice seats to some early round matchups as well, too. Maybe you get to see an upset in person if the games are in your area. If not, there's plenty of things you can get on SeatGeek from sporting events to concerts and literally everything in between. If it's an event, you could probably find a ticket for so that's going to take us into the tip off which fittingly we're going to go right into march madness we're going to talk about our march madness bracket we're going to preview a little bit of it as well too as the table is all but set right now some of the play-ins are just locking themselves in but we're going to just kind of run through our brackets we're going to take a look at some upsets talk about some of our favorites and see who we have cutting down the nets by the very end of so kelsey we'll tip it off with you here opening round of 64 we're not going to go through each individual game but just highlight me a few of the upsets you're looking at. Some ones that you could think could shake, destroy some people's brackets right out of the gate. Probably going to be mine. Well, I'm going to start with the number one of my upsets. The the biggest one of them all. One that doesn't happen as often as some, but it's not the most rare of upsets. That is a 15 beating a 2 
It is very rare, though. Um, very. I think I think it is the third rarest upset. Actually, 14 over 3, I believe, is the second most rare, and then obviously 16 over 1. But 15 over 2, and if you're wondering what the 15 seed is, it's Colgate. One of the hottest shooting teams and best defensive teams coming into this tournament, going against Texas, who at times, well, they just don't play offense. <laughs> like it, just, it, it is anemic sometimes watching Texas play, and their defense... I mean, at this point in time, you could give up a bucket to, you know, Muggsy Bogues in, in, in the interior. I mean, it is it is rough. It is rough for Texas defense. I mean, it's not great. They do have their moments. Uh, can Shaka Smart get them going? I, we'll have to wait and see. Um, he is a tournament coach, though. So, you know, we all remember those those beautiful runs with VCU. So I don't think they do, though. I think Colgate, that that's my biggest, absolute biggest upset of this one. Uh, but I do want to add in two more just because I think it's possible. Drake over Miami of Florida, and if Jared's out there listening, I'm pretty sure he just killed over. Hmm. Um, me hear, Him hearing me talk about, you know, Drake of all teams beating well, Miami. No, in basketball, he's a North Carolina fan, remember? So he's oh, already... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. He's a North Carolina fan. I mean, my bad. As backwards as that is. But we that's another story, but it's all right. He's already killed over with the, what they did to him this year as arguably the favorites coming into the year. Yeah, no, exactly. And then uh, looking at it, Charleston getting the upset over San Diego state in the first round. So mm-hmm. two 12 seeds over five and a, a, a 15 over a two. Those are my two biggest upset uh, upsets uh, beyond that. I mean, it's, it's a 10 seed, which aren't really upsets at that point. I feel like tens and nines aren't really upsets. Um, and, and you know, anything in that range, I, I don't really count. Yeah, absolutely as well. So I will start by saying I do not have Texas losing in round one. So I'll just get that one out of the way right now. So I will not be matching the two first 15 in that regard, but, some of the other ones that I'm looking at as well, I kind of agree with you. I think San Diego State's going down in round one as well, too. Charleston's, I think I think they have. This is the classic 12 versus 5 match when I look at it. San Diego State's like a lower-ranked fifth seed, where Charleston feels like a higher-ranked 12th seed, as weird as it is to say it like that. But that, that one has upset tattooed all over it. If it's not, I'll be more surprised if it's not than if it is, as weird as that is. So that's one of the ones I have highlighted, especially on that bracket as well. As I go to the other side in the... I also have Drake as well, just like you. So I got back-to-back 12 seeds as some of the major upsets I'm looking at as well. Miami's a they're, a, they're really good, but I feel like Drake's a little underrated. I feel like they've been very, very good. They're primed for like, they'll upset. Everyone will be like, oh, are they the team? Then they get absolutely clapped in the very next round. Yeah. They're primed for like a one and done, but that one is a win, if that makes sense. So it's like one win and then done. So that's one I'm keeping an eye on as well. Going down into the West bracket. I'm going to continue my trend here because I'm feeling the 12 seeds this year. I, I don't know if it's because Aaron Rodgers might be on the move and the question is, is he wearing number 12 or not? I don't know. Tom Brady retired, so maybe this might be the year of 12. We'll see. But I'm going to go with another one as VCU pulling off the upset over St. Mary's. That's a much closer one, but VCU also has a lot of tournament pedigree as well, too. I know it's been a while. I know it's you're comparing apples to oranges to pineapples to orangutans at that point. Like It's a very long comparison, but I'm still going to stick with I'm still with VCU getting the upset for the for that as well too in the West. I do also have Boise a 10 seed over a 7 seed, not too much in there. And looking into, excuse me, the East bracket, I don't actually have too much for upsets in the East. The East I have pretty much staying true in that first round as well too. We want seeds one through eight are going to hold in that one. So I don't have too I don't have quite the dramatic the dramatics of you with that two seed going down. But I think we're kind of in the same boat. The 12 seeds feel really and. I don't want to say appetizing, but they feel very opportunistic yeah. this year. If you're if you're a betting man, those are the ones where my eyes are like, oh well, hello there. 
Yeah, and also I need to I need to correct one of my mistakes. I did mention Saka Smart was Texas's head coach. Uh, he is no longer Texas's head coach. He's Marquette's head coach. Uh, Chris Beard was formerly the head coach of Texas this season. Obviously, he got into some legal trouble, and they've been having an interim coach in the meantime. That's kind of why I was leaning towards Texas. I, I knew there was a reason I was leaning towards Texas getting upset. There's a reason behind it all. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I, I needed to correct myself because Shaka Smart does have Marquette as a two seed. I would so say I proof of his coaching pedigree. Well, there you go as well, too. He get he builds up Texas into a two seed, leaves and makes Marquette a two seed as well. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think two years ago they were a two seed under Smart as well, too. Before I think it was the Elite Eight when they got upset. Maybe it was a little bit earlier, but the okay. point is they, they he's a, that's a very a tip of the cap of his of his coaching acumen as well. So it's gonna now take us to the round of 32. We're cutting the field in half in Kelsey. I can't help but think you got you got a couple more upsets. You can't just leave us on the 215 and then not see another one again. Uh, you know, I, I actually have both 12 seeds getting eliminated in this next round. Just kidding. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, no, I really do. I really do have both. No, actually, just kidding. Sorry, I was covered up. I do have one 12 seed advancing. Uh, but it's actually the one that you think might not advance beyond <laughs> the next round, and that's Drake. I have Drake beating and upsetting Indiana. Uh, but more importantly, that little 15 seed, that pesky 15 seed, does advance again. They beat Penn State, who I have, you know, that quote-unquote upset, the 10 over 7 upset, Penn State advanced. So they beat, Colgate beats Penn State. Um, the best three-point shooting team in the Big 12 or Big 10 uh, in Penn State, but they just go absolutely cold in that game. Um, looking at some of the other brackets here, West, I you know, my West is literally one, two, three, fours. Uh, East, I got, I, I guess you can consider Kentucky over Kansas State potentially an upset. I don't really think it is, but you could. <laughs> um, maybe by name value, if you don't know basketball, maybe this is an upset, but Creighton over Baylor in the South might potentially be an upset. Six over three, but again, six over three, not really an upset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those are the – I mean, really, that the, the big two are in the in the Midwest there. I, like I said, Drake going over, uh, beating Indiana and Colgate adv- advancing past uh, Penn State. So I'm going to be the boring one here for the round of 32 is I only have one actual real upset because we already just mentioned I have Kentucky over Kansas State. But once again, that's a loose one. I have one upset, but it's a bit of a big one is I think Iowa's going to go against number one Houston. I think they're going to shock the world with Houston as well. I think they're going to go in there and they're going to get the job done as well. I think that's going to be a very I think that's an underrated close matchup. Iowa sucks when they're a top two or three seed as we've seen the last few years. Now they're coming as an eight seed as well. And I think Houston, their guard, I, I think it's Saucer. His name eludes me, but he's coming off a groin injury as well, too. So, well, there's some questions there with Houston, as you mentioned. Sometimes when the tournament rolls around, they a little shaky here and there sometimes. Still, they made the Final Four, I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. So, it's not a disrespect, but I think I was they, – they've shown a lot of grit in the second half of the season as well, too. Like that big win over Michigan State as well in overtime while they were down by double digits with 90 seconds ago. So I'm going to go with Iowa to pull to be the one lone upset pull. I think Murray back-to-back years of Murray's as well. Tonight, I think we're going to see Murray this year put on a little put on a little bit of showing up his draft stock. So it's like, hey, I know you're I know you see my brother dominating with the Kings, but don't forget about me now as well. So you <laughs> yeah, made the no, one I'm, upset I, in the round of 32 that that's an actual upset, quote unquote. I just you know if I had Iowa advancing potentially, yeah, that that they could they could upset Houston that in that second round. I just don't even have them getting out of the first round. That's because you have them going against Auburn, and you're never going to pick against Auburn in a somewhat close eight to nine, five to twelve. And anybody who knows me knows I don't pick my favorite teams. This year is different because teams that come in without expectations, especially Auburn teams that come in without expectations, surprise the world, at least for one round. 
And so I think they, they upset they upset that Iowa team. Which, by the way, I, I got to say, Murray is an absolutely fantastic player. Um, Should have been probably that team uh, first team AP. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he was. I don't. I don't believe he was uh, actually on the first team, but he was on a second team, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, deserved first team AP. But you know what it is. It is what it is. Politics. Politics. That that's what we'll call it. But that's gonna take us from the round of 32. We're now heading to the Sweet 16, where things get maybe a little bit more interesting here as well, too. So Kelsey, take it away. Sweet 16. I, you gotta have it. You got an upset here. That's a guarantee. Uh, you know, honestly, again, it's Sweet 16. I mean, my Sweet 16 is actually pretty, pretty straightforward. I think. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, when it comes down to it, I guess I have one upset here in the Sweet 16. It is Kentucky over Marquette, the six-seeded Kentucky beating That's Marquette. Um, but otherwise, I mean, my I literally have a 1-2 matchup in the South. In the Midwest, as the two-seed was out, I have a 1-3 matchup. Um, and in the West, I have a 1-2 matchup as well. Um, going into the final, going into the Elite Eight, Elite Eight with, like I said, the the – the East being the only one that's different. That's a one-eight matchup. You know, we're kind of on the same page. There is no at Iowa advancing, but I do think they fall to Indiana in the next round too. So I think their Cinderella kind of ends right there as well. Otherwise, I don't have too many upset picks. Like, the, actually, I lot nope. That's the next round as well too. So we'll get to that here in just a second. But Sweet Sixteen. You know what? I I can't read. I do have one upset here. I do think UConn is going to get it done over Kansas as well. I think we'll see our second number Ooh. two seed fall. So. I think UConn, I think we're going to see them continue to do what they do when they're those mid, those like higher mid-seeds, like the three through eight is when I feel like Cardiac, Kemba, Shabazz, like those are when they do their best work. So I think the four seed, they could pull off an upset over number one Kansas, too. I feel like among the four number one teams, Kansas is outstanding, but I feel like they're, they're, the, they're the most likely to get God, even though I got them the second one getting God. Yeah, I mean, look, even just looking at percentages-wise, like by team, team versus team, they are one of the weakest team by team basis as far as their opponents faced. If you have them go through this tournament, um, I mean, most of like a, a Kansas UConn matchup, 73% people are going Kansas and not in the nineties. Like everybody else, like every other one seed in their, in their sweet 16 has a 98% vote for them. Uh, Kansas is the one that they is 74%. So I definitely could see UConn uh, pulling that upset would not surprise me in the least. Absolutely. That's not going to take us to the elite of the elite to the elite eight. And Kelsey, we only have a few. Okay, and we're back. Sorry, there was a slight hiccup in the uh, the giddy-up, giddy I guess. Uh, so, DJ, I guess as we were saying here, uh, get into the Elite Eight. Yeah, we're into the Elite Eight here now as well, too. So this is where I feel like we can kind of just go over each of the matches we have there as well, too. Sorry, our technical guy, our IT guy is fired after that one as well, too. For some reason, the computer just restarted and completely kicked me off of that. But all right, Elite well, Eight, we Kelsey. We know a little something about that. In, the, in, the, in, this, in, in, this, in this, this chat, we know a little something about that. 
Absolutely. So we're taking it to the Elite Eight as well, too. So for the first matchup I have, I have Alabama taking on Baylor. I think Alabama's going to take that one as well. Baylor is a fantastic team. I don't think it'd be an upset if Baylor won, but Alabama has been, they've been cooking the last month or so. Brandon Miller for everything. Everything aside, he's been a fantastic player on the court as well, too. Everything aside as well. So moving on to the next matchups I have. I have Indiana taking on Texas. And, well, unfortunately, I do not. I have Texas going the exact opposite of you. I have Texas going to the final four. So I think they will get the win over Indiana. So one of us is going to be very, very wrong. But either really quickly or really late with this with that matchup as well, too. Looking now, I have Purdue taking on Marquette. And I do think Marquette is going to get the win there as well. I I like Purdue a lot, but I do think as far as the Big Ten teams go, I don't even know if they were the best Big Ten team, honestly, even though the Big Ten was really, really good. Purdue earned it, but I've, it's still one of those things. Like it, when you look at, it, it's like, were they really though? That's so I'm gonna, you know, give give me Marquette to advance to the Final Four, and then UConn versus Gonzaga. I do got get got Gonzaga getting over UConn, so I have Gonzaga advancing to the Final Four as well. So my Final Four teams will be Alabama, Marquette, and Texas Gonzaga. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I guess I'll. I mean, sure. Uh, I guess I'll be the reasonable one here. Um, Alabama, <laughs> Arizona. Alabama gets knocked out. Uh, it is time. They they they're too hot, too wishy washy in the season. Uh, you know all the stuff with Brandon Miller that is finally going to come to a head. Arizona also one of the best un, like best teams in the nation at time. Like when they're playing, they are the, one of the best teams in the nation, if not the best team in the nation offensively. So you know it's got to give some credit there. Also high quality defensive team. Cannot understate that enough in the in the tournament. Uh, on the flip side of things, Houston, who is should have been the overall number one uh, consensus here. Um, Houston and Xavier play in the Midwest. I have them beating. I have Houston beating Xavier here. Uh, kind of bucking the trend of not trusting Houston here. I'm continuing to trust Houston. Mm. So you went with Texas. I went with Houston. So more specific in Texas um, here. And uh, I just think uh, look somehow we're both 10, down. Top ten nationally, defense defensively and offensively. So hard to hard to deny them an opportunity. That defense is is gonna cause some problems. I can almost just guarantee it. Um, Purdue, Kentucky, I have matched up in the East and that's when I have Purdue taking, I do think Purdue actually is the big, the best team in the big 10. I, 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 then again, I was watching the big 10 tournament, like Ohio state kept up with everybody in the big 10. So at that point in time, I don't know who's actually good in the big 10 anymore because they kept up with everybody except for Purdue. But even with Purdue, they kept up with them for two thirds of the game. Like, I, I, I left work on Friday and I joked with a friend who is an Ohio State fan that, you know, hey, you guys are going to be this year's uh, version of Georgetown, you know, the <laughs> nine win Georgetown team. And he's like, no, 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 there's no chance. There's no chance. They're not gonna even going to make it make it to the final, you know, but uh, they made it to the semifinals against, you know, Purdue and gave him a run for the money for a half. And then, well, Penn State didn't stand a chance. But, uh, yeah, it's – I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say they're the best team in Big Ten, but it's just kind of whatever. So I have them advancing. Uh, they're going to face Arizona in the Final Four. And on the flip side, I have UCLA, again, another top ten offensive and defensive team in the nation. Uh, playing against Kansas, uh, I have UCLA advancing here, the two seed. So I have one versus two and one versus two in, in my <laughs> Final Four. Arizona versus Purdue and Houston versus UCLA in the Final Four. All right, I like it. So we're not nothing too outlandish here. Doesn't we don't have anything below a three seed by the sounds of it as well, too. So we're not getting too we're not getting too ridiculous. Now we're not we're not, we don't have those plus nineteen five nineteen thousand odds as well. So we'll move on to the final four. First matchup I have is Alabama versus Marquette. 
And for me, this is where the Alabama train will stop here. I do think Marquette will get the win over Marquette's a very well-rounded team. Alabama's been rolling, but I do think Marquette, they feel like this feels like a national championship contending team. So I'm going to say Marquette gets the upset, quote-unquote upset, since they're a two-seed here. Then on the other end, Texas versus Gonzaga. I do kind of want to go polar opposite of you and put Texas into the into the championship just so we could have the farthest opposite possible. But I don't. I have Gonzaga getting the win over Texas. So national championship, I got Gonzaga and Marquette, too. Really good basketball programs, but at the same time, they're not always like those quote-unquote bluebreds that you think about as well, too. But they've been arguably better than a lot of those schools in recent memory. So Marquette, Gonzaga is what we're going to have. Opposite ends of the country meeting for the Natty. Ironically, the two of the best players to come out of Gonzaga in recent times have come from areas near Marquette. So uh, very ironic that that's the, that's the case there. Uh, I say opposite ends of the country. I know Marquette's like in Wisconsin, but you guys get the point. I was trying to make a geographical yeah. fun. Thing. Yeah, like, no, I, just, I, no I, think it's, I think it's funny, though, that it's just like, you know, the two of the best players that have gone to Gonzaga in the last five years in Suggs and uh, Chet Holmgren have come out of either – well, no, I both have come out of Minnesota, which if you guys don't know, geography is right next to Wisconsin. Yeah. So, like, it is literally there, and then they just travel five states over. Um, There's yeah, not a whole anyway. lot in between besides meth and cows when you look at Montana and the Dakotas. So so we kind of do go opposite ends of the country <laughs> here, though, uh, and just in the different spectrum. When you, you went north, I'm going to go south here. So my final first Final Four matchup, I have Arizona versus Purdue. I have Arizona with the upset um, over Purdue. Uh, 56% of people in the nation follow my trend and pick Arizona in this matchup anyways. So, uh, and then the other one, I have Houston taking on UCLA. Uh, 80% of the country is going to agree with me. Houston gets the win here over UCLA. So I have two versus one Arizona versus Houston in the finals. And uh, like I said, you know, you went Northern, Northern States. I kind of went the Southern States here. So, you know, we got ourselves an old fashioned rivalry. I say, weren't you supposed to be the one that does the outlandish things here? You can't be getting Houston all the way to the championship. You're supposed to be the outlandish one. You can't put the number one overall seed in the finals. I learned from two years ago picking the NFL championship game, or three years ago picking the NFL championship game. Sometimes it's just easier to go with the low hanging fruit. That that's fair as well too. Sometimes sometimes you just gotta hope gotta hope for the best with everybody else as well. So that's gonna take us to the national championship game. I got Marquette taking on Gonzaga, and to quote one of your one of your least favorite teams, the most famous players. Will somebody please get this monkey off of my back? I think Gonzaga does get the monkey off their back. I think they do get that national championship that has been eluding them so much these last couple of years. I think coming in is that three seed and not that number one team, that undefeated team, that consensus favorite. I think that's going to help them out a lot as well, too. So I'm going to take Gonzaga, probably one of the best coach teams in the country. Very, very deep team as well, too. Give me Gonzaga with the upset over Marquette. And for those who care for the tiebreaker final score, I went 75-63. So Gonzaga finally gets the hang one from the Raptors and cut down some nets and not just the final four nets. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, so for me, obviously, Arizona taking on Houston in Houston, um, ironically enough. And uh, that's going to be just enough of a home court advantage that Houston's going to win here. <laughs> Although it's not going to be much. Like if anybody knows, the, again, we're going to go back to geography lesson here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to pull up my handy-dandy map. Okay, there's no map here. Sorry, I'm just going to point. Arizona's here, and, well, Houston's, like, right here as far as on a map. So it does, it's about, about eight-hour travel to get there. Uh, you, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be. It doesn't look like it's that long, but then you realize Texas is huge, and it takes eight hours to get there. Uh, but it is still close enough that Arizona fans wouldn't have no issue traveling over there to Houston. Uh, but, yeah, I know I have Houston win this game. It's a home court advantage that, Still one of the best teams in the nation. Um, and to talk, talk about getting the monkey out of the back. There you go. Get a monkey mm-hmm. off the back. Houston finally wins one. Um, you have the Cougars with the blue outline. 
Still don't get their Cougar logo, why it has a blue outline, but I'll, you know what, I digress. Hmm. Uh, and for tiebreaker purposes, so my tie, the, the, one of the apps that I have is just as a general, give me the points, the total points. I have 135 points scored. Uh, so what that ends up equaling out to is 68 to 67. So. All right, so we are going polar opposites on that one. So one of us is going to look silly there, and one of us is going to look silly with Texas, or we're both going to somehow. We're, all, look silly. we're both going to look silly. I, I, I'm going to look silly in day one, like on Friday when Colgate does not get the upset on Texas. That's when I'm going to look silly. So, no matter what we do, we're going to look ridiculous. That is the point of March Madness is to make everybody feel ridiculous as well. That's why it is madness. But that is going to do it for our predictions. For a quick recap, you have Houston winning over Arizona to take the national championship. I'm going to say Gonzaga gets it done over Marquette. So a couple of teams getting that elusive national championship monkey off of their back as well. So let us know in the comments as well, too, or reach out to us. Let us know if we, what we got right, what we got wrong, and who you think is going to be chopping down the nets here at in early April as well, too. But that's going to do it for our tip-off and talking about March Madness. And now we're going to continue with a little bit of madness, but in a different realm, one that involves... Weirdly enough, probably a very similar, if not more, amount of money is that's going to now take us into the main event. The main event, of course, brought to you by Manscaped. Use code Hilo Sports. Get yourself 20% off at checkout as well. Kelsey, NFL free agency, the good, the bad, the ugly, the what are you doing? I think, and we're only about 60 hours into it, it feels like as well. It technically only officially got started here today on Wednesday. Then you throw in the tampering period. We, there's a lot that's gone on in what should only have been like a five hour period, but it's really been about 60 hours. So, we're going to kind of go over, well, some good signings, some bad signings, and some questionable decisions, and some trades. There's a lot going on, including your Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been wild. Um, uh, for a lot of teams, except for maybe the Cowboys. Uh, and I'd also throw in the Baltimore Ravens. Not a whole lot of has, has gone gone on uh, for, for certain teams. Uh, I guess you could even say Green Bay in some some degree. It's It's been pretty boring there. Um, maybe uh, as far as the maybe incoming. Not, maybe Green not Bay. boring, but definitely like what is going on here. Uh, at least one half of Los Angeles has been pretty boring. <laughs> no, it's just, but it's been, but the rest of the the, the other twenty eight teams, twenty nineteen, whatever it is, are absolutely having a blast right now. Um, including surprisingly, there's a few teams that I got to be honest, kind of surprised how much they're buyers. Um, so you know, I, I'm just gonna jump into. It. I'm gonna get my winners. I, I gotta, I gotta talk my winners first before mm-hmm. I get into anything else. I'm actually gonna throw a maybe a surprise in here for my winner. Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Giants as my winners. I think the deal you signed with Daniel Jones works out pretty well for your team. But it's not so much a free agent deal, but it is a huge deal nonetheless. You signed the new, newly married Darren Waller uh, and Kelsey Plum. Set some fire on Twitter, by the way, uh, because Josh McDaniels is a dumb dumb. Um, lucky lucky Darren Waller there. But they also signed Bobby Okariki or Okariki, however you want to pronounce his name. A very underrated signing in, in in Bobby, but I also think there's another signing here that's even more underrated, and that's Raheem Nunez Rochez. If you guys don't know, he was backup to Vita Vea in Tampa Bay. Absolute stud when Vita Vea was out. And honestly, when Vita Vea was out, you honestly didn't notice much of a difference the last year. It was that close. So uh, very impressive player, very, very, very underrated signing there. Uh, Jamie Gillian re-signing, Matt Breida signing with the Giants, or I guess re-signing with the Giants. If, uh, in some some cases, Sterling Shepard here signing with uh, resigning with the uh, the Giants for a very very team friendly deal, one year, one point three million. So uh, about as team friendly as it gets. I think it's a veterans minimum technically. Imagine yeah, you can play more than one point three games and they'll be cooking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but no, like that to me, that is one of the biggest wins 
Um, honorable shout out here. Uh, I'm, I might be taking years. I don't know. I'm sorry if I am, but honorable shout out here to the Atlanta Falcons though. Jesse Bates being the number one reason why that's an honorable shout out. Okay. Yeah. You could definitely can't argue the Falcons, the giants, that run defense too. Once they had Dexter Lawrence resigned, which I presume they're going to, if they don't, they're stupid, but having him new chose new chase, excuse me, Okereke at linebacker too, who, if you can't pronounce his last name, just call him LB one. That's all you need. He's LB one for the giants now. Off a really good defense already last year, and they're not done yet because I imagine they're going to start bringing in a receiver or two. There's not a deep receiver market. Maybe they're going to draft one, but I do like what the Giants are doing as well. If Daniel Jones was worth that deal, we're going to find out next year as well because the Eagles have lost some players, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Cowboys have done a little bit here. Washington is still Washington. We still have to wait and see with them. But So Giants are doing everything they can to build off of last year and not just be a one a one playoff and then done for six years. So I do like a lot of what they're doing. For me, the win I'm going to go with is the one we kind of all expected the win free agency, but they're kind of doing it anyway, so they get credit for it. I'm going to look at the Chicago Bears. You come in with a ridiculous amount of money, the most in the NFL by a lot. You come in with the ability, you end up trading that number one overall pick, so I'm going to lump in their offseason along with their free agency to go with it, but we'll get directly into free agency in a second. You turn number one overall into DJ frickin' Moore and a top 10 pick at number nine and a another two another three and a future one if i'm not mistaken I, I believe that was the compensation overall point is you're you're set for a minute and you dj Moore has roughly 5200 yards since he entered the nfl in 2019 if he did that all with the bears he'd be their all-time leading receiver like in history so like that's all you need to know you finally got that number one you got somebody that justin fields can work with not chase claypool but you got dj Moore now so you gave him that bona fide number one like you yeah, saw and, and, aj brown I, and stefan Diggs, etc I feel like we, before you go any further, I just have to say this, and I, I and I know you've seen it on Twitter too. People who don't think DJ Moore is worth this trade are idiots. That's you have never idiot. watched a bit of quality football in your life if you have never watched DJ Moore highlights. This dude knows how to run routes. He's a great catcher of the ball with his hands, not with his body, with his hands. Great speed on the outside. He can play the slot. He can play outside just as well. He can hit you on the end around. can hit you in, in gadget plays. I'm tired of seeing this stupid narrative go around with DJ Moore that it is not that, that that was a terrible move by the Giants to get DJ Moore included. Like, no, this is the best move the the the, the Bears could have made there, getting DJ Moore, getting that getting rid of that number one overall pick, and getting the whole haul they got in in trades or in uh, other draft picks. Like, if you're the Bears, like, congratulations, you, I, you like they they won the draft before the draft even starts because you got a DJ Moore with that number one pick. Like, congratulations. He's still he was just recently resigned too, if I'm not mistaken, like a year or two ago. So you're not gonna have to pay you're not gonna have to dump a thirty million dollar a year bag on him and then too soon. So you get to pair that with Justin Fields' contract. He has the ability to get open and go deep. Honestly, he's like a Stefan Diggs type, honestly. He's or like even what Garrett Wilson was at Ohio State. When I when Garrett Wilson came out, that was my comparison for him as well. Like for those of you who know Garrett Wilson, you know how good he is. And you know how good Stefan Diggs is because we've all seen that plenty of times. Like he's a fantastic receiver and if Justin Fields is the guy, we're going to find out because what they've done, just that alone is going to help out a lot. And we're going to, that's not even getting into free agency yet because that Bears team has more holes in it than Swiss cheese after getting hit with an AK 47. So right now they've done as good of a job as you can imagine so far going through it. The big one, obviously, being Tremaine Edmonds, middle linebacker, bringing him from the Bills as well. The best thing about him is he is 24 years old and he has five, he has half a decade of NFL experience. Like you have a five year pro at 24 years old. And you sign and him who to looks a like a tree. Like 
the he is the whomping willow of the NFL for those Harry Potter fans. Over the middle, good luck, everybody else. You're running into a brick wall, and he can run. Running a 4-5 something coming out of college as well, so running that cover too that Matt Eberflus likes to run a little bit. He can run up the middle with those slot receivers and tight ends. Like As awesome as Roquan is, he's more of a downhill and lateral runner, where Tremaine Edmonds is an absolute freak of nature and can run backwards and backpedal like that. TJ Edwards as well, too, a really, really good linebacker who, if you don't know, he kept the Kobe Dean off the field for the Eagles. He was that good this year. Yeah. A Pro Bowl caliber type of guy. When I say he's a Pro Bowler, but like he played at a level where if he was a Pro Bowl alternate, no one was going to argue that. He's a true thumper. Bringing in Davis at the offensive lineman as well, too. I really like what they're doing as well. I think those two linebackers, too, combined less guaranteed money than Roquan Smith, if I'm not mistaken. It's tr- tr- Tremaine got 50. And I think Edwards, if I'm not mistaken, got a little, got about eight to 10, maybe it's 12, but either way, you're at 60 million for Roquan and about 62 for those two. So even though they paid off ball linebackers after getting rid of an off ball linebacker, they did a good job turning one outstanding one into two very, very, very good ones on top of it. And they're not even done yet. They still got plenty more. They brought in some smaller signings as well. Those were kind of the main ones that stuck out for me early on as well, too. So the bears so far, I'd say when you combine the draft trade, along with those free agency signings as well, too, and plenty more to come. And I also want to point out what was really smart is they did not overspend as well, too. Like, they were in on Mike McGlinchey. Then they saw what Denver was willing to give him. Like, nah, he's good, but we're not going that high now. Like, that's a little – Jawan Taylor, for example, really good. They saw what the Chiefs paid him. Nope, we're not going that deep as well. We have way – you have way too many holes to be overspending on one single single free agent like that when it comes to – when it comes to bad teams of free agency, I know the narrative is like they should be the ones that sign those really expensive, high-quality players. But I always figured if you're a bad team, you should spend it and try and get as many starter-quality guys as opposed to going after the big free agent. You should try and just get like – you need you have so many holes, you got to fill as many as you can. Like let's say you get Orlando Brown, the bit, the prize left tackle free agent, quote-unquote. That's great, but you got four other spots you have to fill if you're the Bears. Whereas if I look at like the Bills, they have a lot of good talent. If they could get the money, they should get Orlando Brown because they have so many other spots filled. Hopefully that makes sense to anyone who's listening as well. Because I always thought it was weird when bad teams spent an absolutely asinine amount of money. So for the Bears, the discipline as well as still bringing players. Plus, I also want to mention they did let David Montgomery go. But they brought in Travis Homer, the running back from Seattle, who honestly you're not going to see him. Uh, you're not going to see his effect as far as running the ball or catching the ball too much. But as a pass protector, he was rated as one of the best in the game as well, too, in the NFL last year. And what do the Bears need more than anything? To not let number one get hit. So bringing in Travis Homer is a big deal for that. You lose David Montgomery. You bring in Davis at offensive line. You bring in Walker at edge. So I love what the Bears did, and it's only going to get better. They're setting themselves up like the Eagles did a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, I, I got to say, I, I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I, I will say, I I do think you missed something at, with David Montgomery. You got you to look at least at maybe bringing in a running mate here for um, uh, Herbert, but you know, that's they're talking about Austin Eckler maybe. So, I mean, if that's going to happen, yeah, I, I just, it's tough though. Cause you lose Dave Montgomery, Dave Montgomery. Like I've said this a thousand and one times and I'll say it again. Uh, Chicago needs two running backs to work effectively. They are always going to be a run first team. As much as I love Justin Fields, as much as I think he's a great uh, passer of the ball, this team is still going to be a run first team. It's just historically in their blood. Um, you know, if you guys don't know, their two leading receivers, uh, uh, statistically speaking, are running backs. Um, so you know, it's you got to got to take that in, 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 into 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 account here. Um, I just think they need something there uh, besides Dave Montgomery. So maybe they bring in Ezekiel Elliott. He's out there. 
Yeah, he's going to have fun with that. <laughs> uh, maybe his knees are still in Dallas, though. All he has to do is get two to three yards, <laughs> two to three yards of pop. Just has to be better, right? like he did last year. Just get those ten touchdowns. Yeah. That's all you need. But again, I mean, you have Khalil Herbert. You don't feel terrible about losing David Montgomery at the end of the day. Absolutely. I just think I just think this is like go back to Matt Forte days. Like you lose your Matt Forte, and there was that two year gap there. There was just like ah, oh, we could have had Matt Forte still. I so. think Kareem Hunt's a free agent too, so maybe that's somebody they look at maybe after these couple of waves go as well too. Or okay. it's the NFL draft. You could probably get Jameer Gibbs in like the second or third round or someone along those lines as well. So like if I running back is your one thing missing for the Bears, you're doing pretty decently so far considering how much you had to deal with. Well, the way, the way Cleveland and the way Oakland are going, or sorry, Las Vegas, you could probably give either one of them a call and be like, hey, can I get Josh Jacobs or hey, can I get Nick Chubb? They'd probably be like, hey, here you go. Well, you know, we'll see if the Cleveland's going to give up Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They, the city might set itself on fire, but there's that, talks of it. Maybe for a one, but I mean, I, well, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to go that far into the weeds because I don't need anyone throwing pitchforks at us, but we could take a look at a couple winners. Go and tell us another winner that sticks out to you. Just a quick short one that we might not have mentioned. I, so this team I'm torn on being a winner and being a loser. Um, I, I'll be honest. I, I am actually torn on them being, being both. Uh, if you guys don't know who I'm referring to, well, that's that's the Denver Broncos. I think they've made a lot of signings, but I think they made too many signings, big big money signings, in the offensive line room. I do think they needed offensive line help, but you add two interior offensive line and a McGlinty. You have already two inside starting players. Really, you needed to replace your left guard more than anything. Quinn Miners is healthy. He'll, he'll come back and, and fill in. Uh, Dalton Risner obviously being in there as well. Um, I I don't know what they're doing with their offensive line. Um, and 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 again, obviously they, they kept everything pretty much intact everywhere else. It's just I, I think you made a lot of a lot of signings. Just I think you paid a lot of money for guys that are not going to play every day. You know, like every game. I don't think we're going to see what uh, you know all these players out there, even though they paid eighteen million dollars for an offensive lineman like. <laughs> what's he gonna do like what are you planning on doing with this guy because he's not going there like uh, i don't know i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe you know sean payton has all the answers i don't i don't know what the what, what's going on but um i do think it puts him into a bind here nine million get nine million technically in cap space right now not including their draft hall um so when that comes into play, you're looking at all those picks are gone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but you, I mean, you still got to take into later account. Like, I mean, that's going to account basically for the rest of that nine million. They're going to be negative cap space going into the season, so they're going to have to find some. Well, Sean Payton's good at it, but do some do some gymnastics with that salary cap for sure. Uh, so you know, Sam Walton, start opening that 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 pocketbook because you're going to have to convert some signing bonuses or convert some contracts into signing bonuses. Well, if any owners can do it, they definitely can as well. I will say it feels like the way they're building the team going in on the offensive line and defense like that, they're almost making it like, all right, if Russell sucks next year, we're going to still be, we're still going to be able to work around it because this year they were built for Russ to cook for lack of better terms. And when he said, when the frying pan exploded and he set the kitchen on fire, there wasn't a whole lot to work with. So I think next year they're, they're basically going to play like how he was in Seattle, which is what he was trying to evade. It was trying to get rid of it felt like where it's going to be run the ball defense, take your deep shots as well. So maybe they do, yeah, build like, like that, which, which worked like it, like it, it does work. And that's the thing about it is like, it works. It makes sense. Like what they signed, but at the same time, I just feel like it was too much money being signed. 
It felt a you know? little erratic, especially now that there's talks of them trading Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. One of them might be on the block as well, if not both of them. So we'll see how it plays out and what comes out of it. But that's that's one I'm in, I'm with you as well too. Another team I was looking at that I'm just gonna say I think they're a win. You're gonna hate this one, but I think the Cowboys are a winner this offseason so far because they didn't they didn't waste any money. They didn't get anything dramatic. They didn't do anything stupid. They didn't wake up Jerry Jones. Where are you at on the first day of free agency? That was a good thing you didn't wake. It's a good thing you took a nap on the first day of free agency. That's usually when reckless things happen, especially for the Cowboys. But you, instead, you sat back. You re-signed the Wolf Hunter, Leighton Van Der Esch, keeping your defenses intact. And to make it better, you trade a fifth round pick and get Stephon Gilmore. Which, as we know, the Cowboys, one thing they could really use was another corner. And so you get one of the, a guy coming off a bounce back season who literally won two games for the Colts last year with late one breakups. Of yeah, one of them against the Broncos, ironically. Yeah. And then so you get him for a fifth round pick. That was a com- com- compensa- compensation pick, I believe, or compensatory pick. So you don't even really yeah. give up that much. And I, as much as I hate saying like someone losing your job is a benefit, cutting Zeke's going to save you cap space to possibly make some other things and keeping Tony Pollard. So you'd, they could still rework and do some small things here. So I think. They made the right moves. The only thing that maybe they somehow pull a DeAndre Hopkins trade or something to just nuke everything in a good way. So, yeah, for the Cowboys, I'm saying they're a winner so far because, like the Bears, they didn't do anything stupid, but they got they filled some holes without without shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see them maybe reach out to one of these tight ends that are floating out there, but I, I don't hate the idea of them, you know, doing what they did. I mean, I do – I. I'd say it, as much as I don't trust Evan Ingram, he is on that non non uh, non exclusive contract uh, franchise tag with Jacksonville, so they could have reached out to potentially get him. But uh, you know, I don't. Again, I don't hate it that they didn't do anything else. I, I definitely appreciate that uh, Jerry Jones for once, like actually didn't do anything stupid. Um, but yeah, I, 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 again, I don't know if I call them winners or just like. For once, you didn't do anything stupid. Congratulations. So maybe that is a win in getting the Cowboys book because normally they have at least one stupid signing in the offseason. Well, who knows? Maybe they're going to bring in Dalton Kincaid, too, to fill that tight end spot. So maybe everything's all good. Maybe, there, maybe there's, gonna work. Great. there's a lot working there. But that's some of the winners. Uh, let's talk about some of the losers, too, because if we know anything about free agency, you can't win them all, and some teams, they lose out big. So first day of free agency, well, first few days, What do you, who's already, for lack of better terms, losing? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> where do I start? Uh, let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's let's start with Cincinnati Bengals as one of the big losers here, uh, mainly because you lose both starting safeties. Gone. Instantly out the door. Out of the door. Um, on top of that, you lose your starting tight end. Gone. Um, you lose an offensive lineman. Gone. Uh, I think actually two offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. They lost. Um, but you still have to pay Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, so that's going to work out, right? Right, and Jamar Chase. Maybe, yeah, Jamar Chase coming up the year after. Uh, yeah, I don't. Right now, the Bengals are in a rough situation. Um, what they're going to do salary cap wise, I don't know, but uh, yeah, definitely did not have a great signing period. I guess you can say it. Resigned Jermaine Pat uh, Pratt. Resigned Travion Williams. Lost Samaj P. Ryan. Um, signed Michael Thomas, the safety. Uh, but yeah, you you lost a whole lot else. Um. Especially with that one, Juan, Juan Thornhill was sitting out there before Cleveland snatched him up. Like I, I'm surprised that Cincinnati didn't make that attempt because he's only signed for seven million a year for three years. Like Cincinnati, you could have done something with that, right? Like it feels like there was there's something to be had there. Like it was surprising yeah. to see that. Yeah, like that's there's a little bit of money you could have tossed out there. Like I get you probably going to bring back Bates just because of the money he was going to command. So, but at the same time, yeah, that's a 
you got to do something to fill that safety spot unless there's somebody in the draft you're really eyeing. But I agree with you. Those safety spots, are they're going to hurt, it feels like. And they had $28 million in cap space. We just, like I just said, the, the Broncos have $9 million and they're still working deals here. You can turn to do something with $28 million. Like there, there's something to work with there, I guess. I mean, granted, the Broncos' pockets are much, much deeper than the Bengals when it comes to the owners, I guess. So maybe they're yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that's fair. At least the, the at least the the, the Broncos' uh, wives of the players don't have to go sit on the bathroom floor to feed their children. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. That, that's, yeah, touche. But they don't have to. They also don't have to buy their own supplements from the from the from the team store either. <laughs> that that you know that's true as well too. So. The one I'm going to go, they're not really losers, but they're not winners. So I'm going to go. So I'm going to, I'm going to slightly walk the line, but I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles because I do like some of the players they've kept. I do like that you were able to keep James Bradbury on a not terrible deal. I mean, up worth up to 44 million with incentives. Keeping Fletcher Cox is really nice. One more year with him. Brandon Graham keeping those veterans for one year. Of course, Jason Kelsey, we all know that as well, too. You let Miles Sanders go, but you bring in Rashad Penny, which Maybe a lateral move or shot pain is really nice when he's healthy. So we'll have to just kind of see if he can stay healthy. But you lose TJ Edwards, who you have his replacement already. So it's not that big of a deal, but that's a Pro Bowl caliber player you lost. Like he's a thumper. Obviously, we both love N'Kobe Dean. They'll probably be fine. You lose Hargrave, which you couldn't pay him, obviously. But you have Jordan Davis. So in theory, you kind of feel okay there as well, too. But at the same time, we thought those are a little bit un- unknowns, quote unquote. And then you had to get re- releasing Darius Slay on top of that as well. That's the one that. That's you know. frees up a lot of cap space, which maybe used to bring in CJ Gardner Johnson to bring him back, which another one who might lose unless somebody else comes in and swoops him up. But as of right now, the, both of those players are no longer on your team. So I'm counting them as losses at this exact moment. That's a lot of key integral paces of your, of your Super Bowl runner now are starting to disappear while some of them do have those replacements handy. And I know you kind of got to save some money because you're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts a bag and a bag and some change coming up. So I get it. But at the same time, I feel like you got to keep Darius Slay and maybe let Bradbury go. Like I think Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, you love those players, but I don't know if you could bring back both of them. I know they're not terribly bad deals. I mean, one's for $10 million, one's for $6 million, so they're not really too bad. Jason Kelsey is obviously the Philadelphia Eagles, so bringing him back, mandatory. But like, there's just some spots I feel, and then losing the coaches and coordinators that they lost as well. It just feels like London Bridge is falling down on the Eagles right now. Maybe they have a draft plan to kind of balance this all out. I mean, you got a top 10 pick and pick number 30. So you'll, you'll be fine. But I just, as far as these first couple of days of free agency, seeing all of the players they left and how quickly they lost them and probably some more to come too. It's like, dang, that's, that's a rough, that's a rough fall from grace. When you look at Kansas city who they're losing a left tackle and just, that's pretty much it really. And then losing Juju Smith Schuster. So they're not considering the two Super Bowl teams. One of them's taken a much bigger hit so far in the off season. And ironically, it's a team that lost. You'd think it'd be the winning team that gets rated, but instead it was the losing team that got rated even more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the Eagles, man. I, at the same time, you kind of just like they'll probably they got some young. They, they got some young pieces that are coming up that you still feel feel, feel comfortable about. Like you don't hate it all, uh, but yeah, you do. You do look at it, and I think Darius Slay is a big one. But I think they 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 probably broke it down. And we're like, all right, James Bradbury twenty nine, Darius Slay 33? 31, 32. He's still pretty. He's early. So 30s. in his thirties, uh, they pulled Madden Logic and said. Oh, he's going to retire at 34. So <laughs> they don't want to pay him. I, I, you know, stupid logic like that. I don't know. But I, I yeah, I don't like losing Darius Slay. We just talked about this, you know, that Darius Slay is probably one of the best corners still. Um, still last season, I think, ranked as the top five corner in the league for most of the season. Uh, James Bradbury sitting around 15 to 20 in the league last season. So not, not as good. And in the playoffs, James Bradbury disappeared. Darius Slay looked great. 
Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough for the Eagles for sure. I, I, I definitely, I'm with you. I kind of call them half losers, half. All right, whatever. And then just to add an honorable mention to that as well, too, I'm also going to look at the Tennessee Titans as kind of losers on this one as well, too. You're allegedly listening to trades for Derrick Henry. You got rid of Bud Dupree. You got rid of Ben Jones. Like you're, you're, you become sellers pretty much really quickly. And some of the players you brought in, like Andre Dillard, solid player, Brunskill, solid player, Arden Key, solid player. What's going out is not matching what's coming in. I think Rashawn Evans is still a free agent as well, too, even though he's with Atlanta as well. But I just I look at the Titans. I'm like, they feel like they're in that position where, well, we're not good enough to rebuild right now. We were too good last year because you started, what was it, like six and three before imploding? They really should not have been that good. Like, they hurt themselves by, by, by being good last year. Exactly. Like, now you're picking at 11, so maybe you could pull off some Houdini magic if, like, a quarterback you want starts to slip or a player, like a franchise player or whatever. But it feels like they're almost gearing themselves up to next year. We're just going to kind of see what happens more or less. And if we, if we're bad, we're bad. It's okay. I honestly would not be surprised if they trade back this year to try and get a pick next year. So they have some ammunition. Like I would be honestly shocked if someone doesn't, if they don't try and trade back from 11, unless somebody slips and they go up and get them. But it feels like they're gearing up for a tank job. And that when I look at the free agent sign, it's like, well, you sign these players like you think you're just retooling a little bit as well, too. Like, yeah, I know they're not big money deals. Like, Andre Dillard's a good player, and you gave him $29 million. Brunskill's a good player for a three-year deal. Like, they, I don't know what the times. I really just don't know what to make of it. So that's why I'm I'm including them as, like, an honorable mention loser because I feel like they're still just a little bit too good to fully tank. Like, I think it looks like from afar they might be Geary, too. Granted, nobody fully yeah. does the tank job, obviously, because of how short NFL careers are. You can't risk that. But at the same time, they're gearing up for it. If we lose, we lose. We'll be ready. Like, if that makes sense. Oh, no. What's that? We lost seven in a row. How sucky is that? Exactly. It's like, well, we're already losing five. Let's just make it 12. Like, if, like, if they start losing already, they're geared up to just embrace it, it feels like. But I What's don't... that, Caleb Williams? You seem to like Tennessee so a lot. You like Nashville? You like Nash Vegas? Well, come on down. Well, what's that? Oh, Drake May is hanging out here. What do you know? Like, what? Do you, just stop on by on your guys' way to the Heisman ceremony. You two just hit yeah. stop here. No, but, yeah, I, I will also add in. I have two teams that I have as listed as losers, um, but they're for two completely nonsensical reasons. That I'm still gonna say that they're losers because of it. Number one, Detroit Lions getting rid of Jamal Williams. How dare you get rid of the man, the myth, the legend, the Kazakage himself? The Jamal Williams, like, how dare you? Like, well, they got David Montgomery. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, so but that is. Get, this is like this is like this is a non-football playing reason that these guys are losing. Like Jamal Williams. Also, let's not forget he had your first multi or, uh, double-digit touchdown season for a running back since Barry Sanders. Just gonna throw that out there as well. Um, also, yeah, just a fantastic all-around locker room guy. And, you know, he had his problems at BYU, but that's because it's BYU. Literally everybody has problems at BYU if you're any sort of any person in, in, in the world. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, that one hurt me. Like, that one hurt me deep down. I'm, so I'm a Jamal Williams stan. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm a Jamal Williams stan, so I, I'm a big fan, obviously, of his. Uh, but And then also I'm going to say loser as well, and this is because this guy is absolutely terrible at his position and keeps getting paid starter money. Is Brandon Faison going to the Raiders? Therefore, the Raiders are extra big losers in my book because they lost Darren Waller. You lost a fan in Kelsey Plum. And uh, you pretty much lost Las Vegas' sweethearts by sending Darren Waller to the Giants. And then you go and sign Brandon Faison, who, if anybody knows anything, has watched him in the last two seasons. If that man is on the field, 
the opposite quarterback is throwing directly at him. It doesn't matter if he's in the way or not. The receiver catches the ball and will just absolutely destroy him. Considering we just traded face on away 365 days ago and you brought him right back in as well. Kind of an interesting yeah, like, he He has played for the – yeah, just got well, traded to the Colts, released by the Colts now at, at the end of the season. Or I guess or, he was a free agent last year, but then still, yeah. Yeah, signed with the Colts then and then let go. Yeah, it's, it's, this is ridiculous. I, I, just, I, I, I don't know anymore. I'm just uh, – yeah, I don't know why people keep signing face on. Anyways, that's that's my two – nonsensical losers if you will um although i feel like the raiders one does make a lot of sense like every, i think everybody can can conclude that the raiders are kind of wtfing right now because you not only that you also lost Jarrett Stidham, so you have what jimmy garoppolo and then you don't have a backup you got to get a backup because with jimmy I, I, I think, I think josh mcdaniels is your backup at this point at this point it's got to be somebody Adams can take the snaps i, I don't know like that i guess he, it's gonna be hunter renfro so he can throw the ball to Devonte. Actually, they got Jacoby Myers. They just signed him. He played quarterback in college, so that, oh, that's what they did. Oh, yeah. so maybe that was the that was the bit the quote unquote big brain move they decided. It's wrong, to Jacoby. Touche. And now that was gonna be my next one. It's not a loser, but an honorable mention. Jacoby going to the Washington as I think that could be an underrated good move. I think, I think he can win that job. You hate it as the Cowboys fan, but I think he can win that job over Sam. Oh, he could. Oh, he could one hundred percent win that job. As and that's what I'm scared of. I don't <laughs> want Jacoby Brissett to win that job. I. Let's be very clear. It's not because I don't love Jacoby. I love Jacoby. I just don't like Washington that much that I don't want to see Jacoby have to like hurt his hurt his career even more by now becoming a starting quarterback for the commies. Him and Eric Bieniemy with Terry McLaurin, you, you know, you never know. There, things might. I would be, be terrifying. It'd be absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Scary Terry would be get would be terrifying. Scary Terry at that point, like it's just a whole another like adjective added on. And then just throwing Jahan Dots and everyone else as well. So you know, throw Bijan Robinson on that team, and you got Curtis, Robinson, uh, Curtis, Curtis Samuel, Brian Curtis Robinson. Samuel. Throw Brian Robinson and Bijan Robinson in that backfield. Good luck. That defense. Duh. And Deron Payne recently signed. So you know, kudos to Washington. Even though they shouldn't have immediately ran away from the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, which teams can start officially talking to him now. So hopefully, someone is actually reaching out to him. Like, hey, what's good? Hey, Jerry, how's it going? <laughs> um, I need a. Uh, $225 million guaranteed. Um, I know you have it because Forbes said you do. So <laughs> trade Dak. Let's uh, make this happen. Yeah, there's a, plenty of teams that could definitely go out there and use the services. Now they can speak. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that situation, but hopefully someone at least reaches out just to say hi. That's all. That's all I, I ask. Green Bay needs a quarterback. Larry, like, just go say hi, everybody. Just reach out. But I'm sure. At least, if nothing else, make Baltimore have to make a decision because that'll be amusing. Yeah, pretty much. Like maybe Baltimore will pay him whatever pay him. They're just trying to penny skip a little bit and you know piss off Lamar in the meantime. Which bold strategy. Good job. Yeah, yeah, great job right now, guys. Good job, good job. You're doing doing fantastic on that one. Yeah, bold strategy. Let's uh, let's see how that one plays out. But there's plenty more NFL free agency to go as well. Too a lot we'll be keeping track of. Plus, we got the NFL draft coming up, which is our busy our fun time as well too. So we got a lot lot to keep out for. Next week we'll be breaking out our first. NFL mock draft of the year as well too, so definitely want to keep track of that one as well. And we had too much fun with that. It, it's good. It's going to be something. I will leave it that way as well too. But that's going to do it for the main event, and that's how it take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. That is crunch time. Brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Get yourself a free seven day trial. Best smarter, not harder. Learn everything you need from trends, odds, money lines, everything in between. Get yourself some money. Put together some nice parlays and. See if you can turn turn some cash into gold or some wine, some water into wine, however you want to deal with it. But 
Outlier definitely would recommend going there as well, too. So, Kelsey, does crunch time? It is your favorite part of every show. How are we feeling? Uh, all right. So, I got two things today. Uh, number one, I'm going to start with athletes crowning themselves. Uh, number two is going to be a lot more positive. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, at the Aaron Rodgers conversation, you guys didn't see his most recent comments. They might be slightly taken out of, out of context. But essentially, if you believe the ones that are on TV, I am the best player in this franchise's history. No doubt. Um, also, that call falls under the LeBron crowning himself on national TV. LeBron calling himself the king. Uh, take, take, take your pick for whatever LeBron situation you want to do about crowning himself because he's probably one of the biggest, uh, most egregious figures in this conversation. But I'm done with it. I'm, done. I'm tired of it. I, I, next person that crowns themselves, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I need, I need somebody to, to just like slap him across the face. Anything I need. I need some sort of action to be done because I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of seeing this self-proclaimed king, queen, princess, prince, whatever of individual sport. Like you, I, Unless you're crowning yourself the jester of the sport, I don't care. Like I, if you're the jester of the sport, now we can have a conversation because that's actually a quantitative thing I can I can actually like determine. You're calling yourself the king and queen, like what are you, the king and queen of the outhouse, or the king and the queen of you know the the crown city? Like you could be a king and queen of Kansas City if you're the Kansas City Royal. That doesn't mean you're the best player in baseball though. Like you know, this there's levels to this, and and just calling yourself a king or whatever. It's yeah, yeah I'm done. I'm done with athletes and this 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 idea of crowning themselves. Um, it, but yeah, it's especially uh, painful, especially in a team sport as well. Too. I think individual sports, you it's a little bit more leeway. Like if you say, I'm the king of this division in a combat sport, it's like, well, you do have the hardware to prove it, that fancy belt around your waist, or you get a chance to go do something about it. And it's not like a, it's not the team thing as well, too, I guess, where if that makes sense, like team sports, I feel like it's, it's really hard to, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very wishy-washy for a lot of the reasons. You kind of, kind and, of and the worst part about it is when they get a chance to challenge, like, they get challenged on it, and then they won't back up the challenge. They won't be like, "All right, yeah, let's go." Like, I'll go prove it. Let's go. So that's that's the the part that will always forever irk me. But, yeah, you know they that that along many 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 other things as well. <laughs> yeah, no, we we can do this for days, but that'll take us to part two. And guys, if you forgot, March is Women's History Month, and again, we're gonna profile yet another influential uh, female in the history of sports. And ironically, we're talking about you know, kings and queens and people crowning themselves. Well, not only did this woman think she was the best in the women's game of tennis, she also proved she was the best in both men's and women's, beating a man in the battle of the sexes at the age of 29. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, that is Billie Jean King, uh, now Billie Jean King Moffitt. Um, She's former world number one tennis player. She won 39 major titles, 12 in singles, 16 in women's doubles, and 11 in mixed doubles. She was a member of obviously the U.S. team in the the victorious U.S. team in seven different Federations Cups and nine Whiteman Cups, and for three teams she was the U.S. captain of the Federation Cup. And as I mentioned, she won the Battle of the Sexes. Now, granted, it was against a 55 year old Bobby Riggs, but Bobby Riggs was the only one with the guts to go and go and challenge her. Um, she was also the founder of the Women's Tennis Association and the Women's Sports Foundation. So, if you guys don't know what that means, basically, if it, she didn't found the Women's Tennis Association, we would have never had a Serena and Venus Williams. And when it comes down to it, they were part of the Women's Tennis Association. They became uh, a part of that organization as they became pros. Um, she, you know, is in the National Women's Hall of Fame. And in 2006, the USTA National Tennis Center renamed the <clears throat> to be Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. Um, so definitely one of 
the most influential women in the history of sports. And she is going to be our highlight for today. That's two tennis players, by the way, um, so far this month. So uh, shout out women tennis players. Uh, you know, we talk about sports not being able to quantitate like how good you actually are. Well, tennis is one of those you can pretty well tell who's be- who's good and who's bad. And Billie Jean King might be one of the baddest, and I mean that in one of the best ways possible. So uh, as much as I don't like people crowning themselves, well, she didn't really crown herself. She was just born with this name. That's absolutely as well too. One of the most, one of the best of all time. One of the best to ever do it, and one of the best to leave an impression on the on the world as well too. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us and hanging out with us this evening to talk a little bit of sports. We will see you all again next week.